So glad to have you today, really excited to be in this series that we began last week that we've entitled Ask More and Get Less. So our series previous to this, we entitled I've Got Questions, and we've talked about a lot of some of those challenging things that happen in life, and now we're going to kind of turn the corner and think about what questions really should I be asking to help make my life a little better and those that are uh, involved in my life. And so that's where we started last week. There are five, I think, critical questions that we need to be asking ourselves to get the most out of life, to be able to let God do the most he, very, he can do out of everything that we have in our life. And so really as kind of a, a, maybe a theme or so that we started with last week, we ask ourselves this, or we began to understand this truth, that, that our decisions determine the direction and the quality of our life. So what is, the, what is the challenge of, of understanding the direction or the decisions that we make that sometimes, especially early in our life, we think that they are uh, really just uh, kind of short-lived and really we fail to understand the legacy potential in every one of the decisions that we make. Our decisions determine the direction and the quality of our life. If I could say that maybe a little bit differently is that our decisions create the storylines of our life. And it's either going to be a good story or maybe a not-so-good story. You see, that's the power of understanding the decisions that come before us each and every day and, and the determination that we have in making the best decisions that we can for life. And so my task over these next couple of weeks in this series is that I want to help bring some biblical direction to help make you to have the best possible life and make the best possible life decisions and leaving with the fewest regrets. I want us to ask more and I want us to get less, to get less heartache, to get less pain, to get less stress, to get less uh, regrets, to get less all of the things that that take away and suck away uh, life from us that God wants to use and magnify for his very best and his glory in our life. You see, the truth is, is that nobody plans to complicate their life with bad decisions. But far too many people don't plan not to. And so it's important that we understand what questions that I need to be asking so that I can make the best decisions and honor God in the best possible ways in my life. And so some of these questions that we're going to challenge ourselves with over these next couple of weeks, I think are going to help make better financial decisions, better relational and family decisions. These are going to be questions that are going to help you make better decisions at your workplace and ultimately some legacy questions that are not going to be just so valuable for you, but for those that are following after you as well. So in this idea of asking more questions, let me start by asking you all a question this morning as well, all right? How many of you have ever been deceived in this life? Come on, raise your hand. How many of you have ever been deceived? Come on, are there some of you? Huh? You've been deceived in this life, all right? So let me ask you a follow-up question to that this morning. How many of you have ever been deceived by the person in the mirror? Huh? How many of you have ever been deceived by the person that you see looking back at you in the mirror? You might be surprised this morning. You see, whether you want to believe me or not, 
you have talked yourself into every bad decision you have ever made. You are the mastermind behind your relational, financial, and emotional debacles. Now, no doubt that as we journey through this life that there are some outward pressures, that there were uh, challenging circumstances in the midst of that. But at the end of it all, let's be honest, you and I, we decided. We chose what path that we were going to take. And no doubt, a lot of those bad decisions that you and I tend to make come as knee-jerk reactions rather than a carefully, wisely thought-out decision. Can I say that again? Most of those difficulties that we find ourselves come by way of a bad reaction rather than by making a great decision. By understanding the process that we need to put ourselves through so that we can get more, right? Ask more and get less. Do you know why every great leader lasts? Why when we think about that over the decades or even over the centuries that their names rise to the top and we think whether in whatever genre of life that we find, we think, wow, what wonderful, what great, what amazing leaders they are. Here's what kind of it all boils down to. They first led themselves. You see, every great leader, every great potential that is inside of you and I starts by you and I leading ourselves. We tend to blame everyone else rather than leading ourselves. Somebody say moan, groan, yes, amen, whatever, right? You see, we recognize that if we're going to make great decisions, right, that are going to be legacy decisions, then rather than looking at everybody else's challenge, that we understand that it's got to be my decision First, And so we talked about last week that there are a number of connection points that we have to understand that help us to connect the dots to lead us on that journey. Kind of, we talked about if you have like a GPS, right? They call them breadcrumbs. These little nuggets that we drop along the journey that help us not only to get to our destination, but as we look back, it gives us a, a, a picture of our journey as well. And so today, again, I want to give you a few more connection points to help you and I on our journey to wisdom, our journey to making great decisions that are going to help you, that are going to help your family, that are going to help your marriage, that are going to help your finances, all of these things that can make it better. And so as we connect these dots, that hopefully you will begin to put some of these principles into practice as well. So here's the connection point number one for this morning. You can't lead yourself if you're lying to yourself. You see, one of the big questions that we're going to talk today is about honesty, about integrity, about the way that you lead yourself, and it starts by being honest, first of all, with yourself. You see, dishonesty leaks. If you lie to yourself, then you're going to lie to others as well. That dishonesty erodes, dishonesty erodes credibility and really the moral authority that, that should be guiding and directing each of our lives. And where the problem comes in is that after time it starts to create a false narrative. You see, our self-esteem gets threatened because we're unsure, because we don't have a good plan or direction. And so we kind of set ourselves up. And this is where kind of this honesty, dishonesty rub comes in. 
You see, because when our self-esteem gets threatened, then we're forced to justify the lie so that no one really is going to find out who the real person is inside. And so we become dishonest, first of all, with ourselves, and slowly that begins to leak out where we become dishonest with those that are around us as well. We're not living up to the values. We're not living up to the cause, to the call of of how we should be living. And so we kind of create this false narrative because we want people to see us in a certain light, but, but we're not really putting in the work or the effort to be able to do that. We're not leading well. Listen, you could be a father, you could be an employer, you could be a husband and wife, whatever it is in your marriage, at your job, and we're just kind of, uh, kind of faking it, right? You see, it's an, it's, a, it's an honesty question, it's an integrity question in our life. And this is where we not only are deceiving others, but what we have to understand is, is that we are deceiving ourselves, One counselor called it living a plastic truth, that it just becomes a crutch for a lot of the misfunction that's going on in our life. And and here's kind of the crazy truth in all of this, is that the longer that we carry out this narrative, the more we really begin to believe it, right? We kind of get caught kind of in a trap. We've kind of told some stories. Our self-esteem wants us to maybe look bigger, look better, uh, you know, show off to, to people, this or that. And then unfortunately, we've kind of told the lie. We've exaggerated the story so much that now we're caught in the story. We're caught in the lie. And now we don't know how to get out. And so, again, this is an opportunity for us not only to come clean with others, but really it gives us the opportunity to come clean with ourselves. If I ask you what fuels addiction, see, it's so easy to see it in other people, maybe in bigger, badder things in our world. We ask ourselves the question, like, how do people get addicted to that? How does it become life-altering? How is it that, that they might be functioning in even some high-pressure situations in our world, and yet they're, they're slaves to an addiction, whether to a drug or alcohol or whatever it is, and we sometimes scratch our heads to wonder, how can this even be possible? Well, we understand that at the base of it, they are lying to themselves, These are decisions fueled by and protected by this false narrative of what we're trying to be, what we're trying to represent to others because we're not honest with ourselves. Let's be honest today. Most addiction recovery groups have as their first rule of recovery is what? You must be rigorously honest. You've got to be honest. You've got to stop the lie You've got to stop the false narrative. And if you and I want to be people of of honor, if you and I want to be people that God's power and his presence wants to rest mightily upon us, then it's an opportunity for you and I to get real. It's you and I to ask some questions about your choices, about your lifestyle, about about the things that that you are going after and and answering the question of why am I going after these things. It's about who's really uh, my my direction and desire to put on the pedestal of my life. And without making this first connection, if we are not leading ourselves, then we are lying 
to ourselves. We're never going to end up, we're never going to have those following after us that we are going to be able to lead a pathway to honor in this life. Let me give you a second connection point as well. If you aren't honest about why you are choosing what you are choosing, then you will have a difficult time taking responsibility for the outcome of your choices. Listen, when we're immature and when we're kids or when we're on us, that we just we never want to see the result of our bad choices fall on us. That we just recognize whether it's circumstances, situations, other people, my friends made me do it, whatever, whatever, whatever. But unfortunately, without some course correction, we simply just go into our adulthood making the same mistakes over and over again, blaming again everybody else rather than understanding these are the decisions and choices that I am making. Unfortunately, maybe based on a false narrative, whatever it is, but I'm making these wrong choices and we never move into, uh, again, a healthy adult life or a marriage or raising family because we're not having the ability to take the responsibility of our choices. And so the answer to that is that we have to get comfortable with the uncomfortable truth regarding why we are choosing to do what we are choosing to do. So it's a little bit deep this morning as we understand, like, what is happening inside of me? What are some of these regions, these areas that, again, I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to kind of get into that ultimately will set us free to live this abundant life that God has for us? But as long as there are choices that we are making that are ungodly, that are unbiblical, that, that are against what God has for us, Right, we're, and, and if we're not willing to be honest and come clean with all of that, you know that where you're living right now is not everything that God has for you. You know that the devil is winning a lot of those battles. There's a lot of things going on in your mind. That's why you feel like if you're taking three steps forward and two steps backwards, right, and you want to blame everybody else, let's understand where is it in me that's not allowing God to clean up some of the mess that I'm making out of my life and letting the whole Holy Spirit, get honest with me. Let me get honest with God. Come on, somebody, right? And realize that I can get out of what this is and realize now live a life of honor and blessing before God. Right? You don't have to say amen. I know I'm right this morning. How many remember the truth bomb I dropped on you last week? You remember? You are responsible for who? You. You see, the truth bomb is, is that rather than blaming everybody else, and, and obviously there are certainly situations and whatever, but, but at the root, right, of all of these challenging situations in life, there has got to be some accountability that we take for the choices that we are making. And until we understand the why behind that, we're going to continue to struggle to find breakthrough in our life. And so today is a day to really be honest with God, to be honest with the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe some of the things that he's bringing to your attention even right now. Some of the things that you came in today hiding. Some of the things that you're thinking, man, I hope Pastor Jim doesn't talk about this today. All right, it's going to be really uncomfortable for me. It's those things that the Holy Spirit wants to do work in all of our lives about, right? Because his desire is is to purify our heart, to purify our mind. Why? Because he has purpose for you in the kingdom. 
Because some of the things that have shackled you for a long, long time, God wants to break you free from that. Somebody say amen with me today. God wants to bring deliverance into your life. God wants to heal some marriages that have been struggling because you're not on the same page, because, because you're fighting this false narrative. You're, you're trying to reflect really what isn't true in your relationship, and it's time for an honest conversation. Your finances are completely messed up. You're trying to keep up with everybody. You're trying to show off what you don't have, what you can't afford, because you're not being honest. And it's time that we get honest with ourselves and let God show us that when we allow him to be in control of of our finances, of what he has blessed us with, how many know God's way better with it than I am, right? When I put him first, how how he believes that you can press it together, shake it down, and and there is going to be more and there is going to be abundance that's going to follow because God's better with it than I am. You see, Jeremiah kind of picked up on this and gave us a really powerful part within his words that I know are pretty familiar to maybe a lot of you that that have come to church, but I want to give you some background and help you to understand really why we have to go to work on this. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, a pretty familiar passage says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Now, I, I would imagine that if you've been in church maybe for a big part of your life, you've probably heard that phrase at some point, but I would imagine that a lot of you don't know the history or the story behind that. So I want to dig in a little bit more. So Jeremiah was a prophet in the Old Testament. It was a time during the reign or just after the reign of King Solomon who who was the son of David, right? The the highly touted king of Israel, who God blessed and God gave him the ability to unite the entire kingdom of Israel. At one point, they were... Uh, they were a small group of people, that they were wilderness journeys looking for their promised land, and, and they were always kind of battling bad decisions. You'll remind yourself of the times where Moses and Joshua and others were trying to bring leadership over them as he would bring them to certain places that invariably they would just fail and make bad decisions over and over and over again. They wandered around the wilderness for 40 years that that should have just taken really months to get through, but they just kept making bad decision after bad decision. You'll remember Joshua at some point in his writings that finally said, as for me and my house, what? We will choose to serve the Lord. Stop wavering between all of these multiple opinions and get your heart, get your mind focused on him and him alone. And David had the opportunity now to bring Israel into a powerful nation. Solomon uh, exaggerated that, accelerated that in proportion that the world had never seen in so many ways. But unfortunately, toward the end of Solomon's life, he stopped following his own direction and wisdom. And now the nation of Israel solid to find themselves again on shaky grounds. It didn't take very long after Solomon that the wheels fell off for Israel. And what was once 12 tribes now were condensed 
into just two. Israel to the north had many tribes, and Judah to the south had just a couple of tribes. But versus the 12 tribes, now that when we find ourselves in the prophets, that they are just really articulated as two different tribes. In fact, in Judah, where God sent Jeremiah to go to prophesy, every one of the kings of Judah were bad. Every one of them just made bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. That they got to the part of the throne and they forgot God in a hurry. They recognized all of this power, this esteem, this money, everything that, that the decisions that they could make and they forgot everything about God. And so on those occasions, God would send the prophets to the king and give them verbal direction from God himself. And this is what we read about throughout much of Jeremiah's book. He was given the prophetic job to go to the kings of Judah. How would you like the job of going to talk to a king that didn't want to hear what you had to say, right? I'm sure Jeremiah was like, God, thanks, really? Like that's the job you gave me, these big powerful kings that could do anything that they wanted and you want me to go in and tell them that they're wrong, that, that they're not following your plan, that, that they're going against what you've asked them to do. And so God gave Jeremiah like a, an incredible, incredible job to go to these kings to show them and to reveal to them how they are walking against God's direction. I want to kind of spot out just kind of towards the end of, of what ultimately would be the time of this nation of Judah. So he goes to King Jehoiakim. And Judah, as in most of the world at this time, was being overpowered by the Babylonians. They would kind of go from country to country or from people to people as a, a very powerful army and nation. And they would they would set up their own systems in that nation, but because the, they were overpowering so many nations so quickly that they would leave kind of local government in place and they would demand that all of the money and all of the income of that nation be shipped back to Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar, how many remember that name? Come on, wave at me, right? So he was kind of the big king of the Babylonians that was overpowering the world. And so, again, King Jehoiakim was, was told that to have the protection of Babylon, that you would send all of your tribute, all of your money to Babylon for our protection, for being under our rule. Well, at some point along the way, King Jehoiakim decided that he was no longer going to pay. And he was going to make a side deal with the Egyptians and maybe collectively that they could raise a force, an army big enough to come in and take on the Babylonians. And so God sends Jeremiah to say, you are making a bad decision. You're making a decision that you think with your head, but they are not on the same page with the heart of God. And Jeremiah told him, you're going to not only find yourself in trouble, but you're going to lead the entire people, the entire nation, into much suffering and hardship. But Jehoiakim would have nothing to do with it. And so the king of Babylon came in with his powerful, mighty army, and he squelched this rebellion. And as history would tell us, that he took King Jehoiakim along with all the other kings, and he would enslave them, gouge out their eyes, weigh them in heavy gold chains, and parade them on a route back to Babylon to show all the other nations the power of King Nebuchadnezzar. And if you cross him, that this is what would happen to you. And that's what happened to King 
Jehoiakim. He would not listen to the voice of God. And so as Nebuchadnezzar was leaving, he set Jehoiakim's son, gets a little confusing, Jehoiachin, they set him in place. Again, same terms. Listen, we're going to let you live kind of in your own city, but remember all of the money goes to Babylon. All of the, all of the direction, all the authority comes directed to you from Babylon. Well, he was only 18 at the time. How many of you could think of the day when you were 18 and you were thrust into the limelight? You were giving all of this power, all of this authority. You could rule. You could get whatever you wanted. How many of you at 18 would have been a good king or a maybe not so good king, right? Kind of this sudden authority and power and blessing. And you're like, wow, you mean I, I could get whatever I want? I could say and do and everybody had to do whatever I wanted. Man, what, what a day. And unfortunately, that's what we read about in the life of Jehoiachin. At only 18, he realized, who is this King Nebuchadnezzar? I could rally all of my young friends, all of my young buddies, and we could take him on. We could go after it. But again, God sent Jeremiah as a voice of warning. Can you not see the example of your father? Here's what I asked you before, this honesty and legacy question. You see, if we're not honestly leading ourselves, can I tell you, we are creating a pathway behind us that's going to challenge those that are in our wake as well. And you would think that this young son would learn the example of his father, but filled with all of this new opportunity, just like his father, he fell into the very same trap. And it didn't take long for Nebuchadnezzar to mount his war machine to come back to Judah, to pillage the land, to take Jehoiakim and do the same thing to him as he did to his father. And then we read that he, the authority was passed on to Jehoiachin's uncle, Zedekiah. Now again, until you kind of read the Bible kind of in, in all of its fullness, you might kind of get confused by some of these names or within this story, but I'll help you out a little bit. Little did they know at the time, but this would be the very last king of Judah. See, God had seen that there was going to be a fiery end to the bad decisions of all of these kings, that this mounted weight, and I, I want to implore to you today that every decision that you and I make multiplies itself. We might not feel the weight of it in the moment, but I want you to hear the truth that every decision that you make mounts and multiplies itself upon future decisions. And they will either be blessings or they will be cursings. You will either make great decisions based on godly and biblical truth and foundation that will help not only bless you, but will again bless your legacy. Or every bad decision that you and I make that you might think is just in the moment, that, that it will never matter, that will have no longevity. I want you to know you are deceiving yourself. And in the same way, that line and lineage will be passed down through the generations as well. Zedekiah didn't know at the moment, but God was about, again, to end this reign of disobedience. Unfortunately, Zedekiah, like Jehoiakim and like Jehoiakim, found himself in a place of power and authority. And, and unlike you would think, and, and I'll make sense of this even more in just a moment, you see, because we find ourselves, and, and people, maybe friends, family may Members making destructive decisions after destructive decisions. 
And we wonder to ourselves, we might even ask them, what are you doing? How could you do this? And to watch them make bad decision, continued after bad decision, what is going on? You probably know a lot of people like that in your life. And we scratch our heads to say, when are they going to learn? Hello? Am I talking to people outside of real life or am I talking to some people in real life today? How could they do that? When you see this kind of in, in now in narrative form, you would be like, what is wrong with Jehoiachin and Phiphar? What is wrong with Zedekiah? Like, can't they see the handwriting on the wall? But you see, our heart is deceitful above all things. You see, we start to tell ourselves a story that we're in charge. We're not kings of Judah, but it's amazing, right, the authority that we want to place above God and the power of his Holy Spirit in our life. The things that the Holy Spirit's kind of been tapping on our soul and tapping on our heart about, and yet we're absolutely hardened and refused for him to do what he wants to do in our life. Listen, you don't have to believe it today. You don't have to admit it. I know it's true. I know that's the battle in our heart. It might not be as big and significant that we think in this moment like the story in the Bible, but don't fool yourself. You see, because every story is being written by every decision that you and I make, and it's either going to be a good story or it's going to be a not-so-good story. You see, when these guys came into the kingdom, they thought, man, what a story I'm going to tell, unfortunately, today. What a story we are telling. And so just like the past two, Nebuchadnezzar hears about the decisions that Zedekiah is making, and this time to finish and to squelch all of this that had been going wrong, he brings all of his army and literally wipes out virtually the nation of Judah. This is where we hear the story, and maybe where the name Nebuchadnezzar comes into play is that he took all of the royalty and all of the young wisdom kids back to Babylon. You remember Daniel? You remember the three Hebrew children that got thrown into the fiery furnace? This is the end result of these kings making bad decisions right before it happened. And as the nation of the Babylonians were coming in to surround Judah, Jedekiah came to his senses and he called to Jeremiah that if he would call out to God on his behalf and of the people of Judah. But Jeremiah's chilling words were this, unfortunately, king, it is too late. It is too late for that. You see, that's why Jeremiah said to us in chapter 17, verse 9, that our heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Of that, there is no hope. You see, left to our own ambition, left to our own decisions, we will find ourselves always in contrast, away from what God wants to do in and through our life. If we leave it to our own selfish ambition, if we follow our own false narrative, if we continue to lie to ourselves and not understand the why, the uncomfortable truth of why is it that I am doing what I am doing, until we can get to the very base or to the very level we recognize today that it can be too late for us. It can be too late for our heritage. But today is an opportunity for you to recognize that there is hope 
There is hope that when we open ourselves up to what God wants to do in our life, some of the challenges, some of the mistakes, some of the mindset that we're living in, and again, open up our heart to let the Spirit of God come in and begin to chisel away some of that stuff that that embeds itself, that keeps us away from having a, a, a pure heart before the Lord, that today we have an opportunity for the hope of heaven to come and to cleanse us and to give us a new start and allow a new pathway so that not only it works for you and I, but again, the wake, the legacy behind us helps turn and shift the narrative. Somebody say amen for those that even come behind us today. And so Jeremiah, after experiencing all of this, writes this truth, and I want you to, again, I want to hammer it home to you this morning. He says what? The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. I want you to catch, again, the power of the word that I've been using several times today. The word deceitful. You see, it's different than being dishonest, right? See, the idea about dishonest is that we can usually kind of with our senses figure that out, right? How many said, man, something doesn't feel right, right? Somebody's being dishonest with you, more times than not, what? We get kind of a sense. We kind of sniff it out. Come on, how many are with me, right? Right, we start getting, like we see, we start to see some things that, that just don't look right. And we start to wonder like, hey, I, I don't know if what's happening is really true. We can usually kind of with our senses sniff out dishonesty. But it's a whole different deal with deceitfulness. You see, when someone has deceived you, What's most of our reaction after it happens? What? Like, like how did that happen? I thought they were my friend. Hello? I never saw this coming, right? You see, there is a difference between dishonesty and deception and deceitfulness. That's a whole other thing. Back when we were at a church on staff a number of years ago, there was some trouble in the church. Unfortunately, just kind of a, a little church internal politicking and battling that was going on. And it was kind of boiling and kind of going to a head. And there was going to be a big church meeting. And, and there was definitely a big split in the church that, that was just kind of brewing. And one of the pastors on staff, we were kind of talking about, man, what... Like, what's going to be the reaction? Like, what's going to happen at this meeting? And, and there was one kind of influential guy, a little older guy in the church, and uh, worked on a number of programs with, with one of the pastors on staff. And, and so we were kind of like, hey, where, where are some of these leaders? Like, what, what side are they pulling on? Like, what, what's, where is it? And, and I remember Peter said about Vic, he was like, no way, man. Like, Vic is in. Like, he understands. Like, he knows. And, you know, he's, he's with it. You know, he knows where the pastor's going. And he's all for it. You know, and just like, and we're all like, oh, well, that's great. Like, Vic's a pretty influential leader. And, and you know, he's kind of confided with Peter. And, like, it just looks like, man, he's going to stand and maybe help squash the, you know, whatever the, the unrest was in the church and all this kind of stuff. Man, we got into that church meeting. Guess who was the first guy at the mic? Vic. And guess what Vic's opinion was in the mic in the meeting? Way different than what he was talking to Peter about in the back room. 
And when Vic got done, I'm telling you what, there was such a sense of unsettledness in the church that just, it was devastating. And Peter said, I was deceived. Like all along, man, Vic was just kind of just feeding me all this stuff. But you see, there's something to that in that deception is that a lot of times the enemy has a way of deceiving us by giving us what we want. Sometimes the deception goes down pretty smoothly. You see, I'm here to tell you that that's what we do with ourselves as well. We don't merely lie to ourselves, but we can deceive ourselves. Now, although Jeremiah says untreated, there is no hope, we look at people and say, I don't understand, right, why they are doing the things they are doing. Let's be honest. We could probably say that about ourselves from time to time. I don't understand why I did what I did. So I'm here to help you today. I'm going to give you a couple of helps before we leave this morning. I believe to live a life of more, to live a life of purpose, to live a life of honesty, integrity, truthfulness, to be honorable, not only among men, but before God, to lead your home, to lead your marriage, to do well with your finances, to be a a light in a darkened place in your workplace, whatever, that you will be a man or a woman of honor. God has a direction. God has choices for you and I to lead. And first of all, it starts by saying, am I being honest with myself? Really? Am I willing to be honest with myself? I think there are three places that we can start today that usually produce some of the biggest regrets of our life. We'll start off a little light and we'll build on them, all right, over these next couple. I call them the three D's of being honest. You ready? Say yes. The three D's. First of all, dumb purchases. How many have heard, if it looks so good to be true, right? All right, the fact is, is that within the deception of a lot of this, here's what I want you to hear. Before the salesman sold you, guess what? You already sold yourself. I mean, sometimes we think that, man, they are an amazing salesperson, but guess what? They're not. You just happen to be better than them. You sold yourself before they sold you. You see, the fact is, is that whatever that purchase was, you were looking at pictures. I mean, you were doing your research. You were going through the magazines. You were reading websites. You were doing everything that you could. You wanted to reaffirm how much horsepower that car actually had. You saw yourself driving past your neighbors, revving the engines while their mouth dropped, right? Like, wow, look at that new ride. And you had already envisioned yourself of all the accolades, of all the praise that was going to go your way on that amazing purchase, right? That, that deal that you made with the salesman, The salesman only gave you information to support the decision that you had already made. Come on, somebody say amen with me today, all right? Listen, I'll just give you a tip. Hopefully, some of you maybe have to learn this the hard way. But when you go to a car dealer and they ask you the question, what would you like your payment to be? 
if they follow that up with, how long would you let us finance that for you? Can I tell you, those are the worst questions that you could ever get ever in your life. They're not in it for the win, for your win. Those questions are in for their win. But how many of us sign the paper anyway? Realizing, what did I just do? Or thinking that you won paying that price for the next 84 months. Hello? That's where they're at today. I remember when it used to be crazy at 72 months. Oh, Mr. Grove, you're such a wonderful customer. We're willing to extend that another year on your behalf. Only realizing that those finance payments. I told you last week, if you think it's scary, look at your credit card bill that says for some of you that are only making your monthly payment, thinking you're doing all right. I'm okay, Pastor. I'm able to make all of my monthly payments. Unfortunately, your bill says that if you only make that monthly payment, you are going to be paying on this bill for the next 20 years. Who's winning? You're not winning. You're losing. You didn't ask enough questions. They didn't sell you on all of those dumb purchases. Let's be honest. Hello? We sold ourselves. Man, you're already quiet. You're not going to like the next two then, that's for sure. Because I was starting off easy on that one. The second D, how about doomed relationships? You see, one part of our brain was trying to convince of all of his or her upsides, right? Oh, but there's this, and there's this, and, and there's this, and there's this. But the other side of our brain is telling us what? Slow down, right? Let's ask some more questions. Let's be smart about this. But we have other parts of our body that are just raging like, no, it's going to work out. It's going to be great. It's going to be fine, right? I mean, I know that he still lives with his parents. He doesn't have a job, but I know he's a good guy. In fact, I would say he's a family man, (laughs) right? I mean, he still lives with mom and dad. How great is that? Yeah, he's 29 in the basement with no job. How great is that? Are you kidding me? See, things weren't right even after the first couple of dates, but I'm sure I can change him. Ladies, how many know that foolish decision, right? And then when you look back, you wonder, how did I miss all of the signs? You see, the problem wasn't that you were clueless. It's just that you saw what? What you wanted to see. You didn't ask enough questions. You didn't seek wisdom for some of these big decisions in life. What was I thinking? When sometimes couples come to Debbie and I for sometimes in marriage, or especially even with the ladies that talk to Debbie and challenges that happen now in their marriage or in this relationship. And Debbie will often ask, well, did, did he do this? Like when you were dating, when you were engaged early? And, and, and the question was, the answer is yes. And, and yet you still went through with it. You still got, you're, you're looking for a different result, recognizing on what was the previous decisions. 
And, and what? You, you want out? You want some answer to the chaos that you're living with now? So we have to understand that, that there are questions asking more that will give us less, less regret, less heartache, less pain, less financial difficulty and stress that you're living with because of some bad decisions, because you thought you could blame the salespeople. Oh, they were so good. They, they just had me twisted and turned in so many ways. No, let's be honest with ourselves. We sold ourselves before they sold us. Thirdly, destructive habits. Just kind of be really in your face with this one. You see, sometimes we convince ourselves that what we got into was only going to be a pastime. And literally we realize that it would be a pathway. Hello? You see, this is where kind of the plastic truth, the misinformation comes in. Because what do we tell ourselves? No big deal. (laughs) I can handle it. Whether it's an abusive thing, whether it's an addiction. Listen, I only do it on the weekends. I only do it with friends. I'm a social I can control it. And what we think through most of the time that it's only a pastime, I'm here to tell you that it's a pathway. That every one of those decisions, I've stood along a lot of people that simply say, I I don't know what I was thinking. I didn't think it would ever get this bad. I didn't know she would walk out. I didn't know my harm that I was showing my children. You see, what we have a tendency to think that is a pastime, only to understand that it's a pathway. We're telling ourselves a false narrative. That inner salesman told you that you would be okay, that you're the master, that you can control it. But guess what? Unfortunately, you believed you. Can I give you another truth bomb for week number two? Apparently not. (laughs) Think you can handle it? No, you can't. Just like last week. You see, you rarely have to sell yourself on a good idea. Hello? You rarely have to sell yourself on the healthy thing to do, the responsible thing to do. Good ideas rarely need defense. Listen, if you want a screenshot, that's what you need from this week. You rarely have to talk yourself into doing what's right. So I want you to remember, when you are trying to talk yourself into something, you're probably asking the wrong questions. Our deceitful heart gets our brain wrapped around something and moves it to figure out a way to justify it to get what we want. You see, our heart knows it's hard to get our brain to act on justifying a want, but it's not so hard, not so difficult to justify a foolish need. Man, we can talk ourselves into the most foolish of things. And that's where oftentimes we get overpowered, feeling this need that, man, I have to have that. That's what's going to make the difference. That's what's going to move me into the corner office. That's what's going to show everybody 
who I am. That's what's going to let everybody in the neighborhood be in awe of what I'm doing. Listen, if those are the motivations and the questions that you are trying to get answered, you're going to be in for a world of hurts. Do we want to be healthier? Do we want to be in a better financial position? Do we want our marriage to be in a better place? Listen, the answer I would trust to all of those would be yes, but the reality is that the answer to those questions are very different. Hello? Are we taking care of this temple of God? Are our finances honoring to God? Is he first? I'm not sure if everybody could shout yes today. Hello? So although we talk a good game, the reality is much different. Our marriage, man, it's on, Pastor Jim. I mean, it is on. Is it? Not sure what kind of response I would get from all of our marriages in this house today, too. You see, we live a false narrative. We want to believe that everything is okay. I get it. You, me, all of us. But the difference comes by discipline, by self-control, by wisdom. Adrian, if you want to come and help me. It's by asking these questions that keep us on the path that God has mapped out for us so that we can be a people of purpose, that our home can be a home of honor, that the fact that God blesses us with finances knows that as he has trusted us with a little, that he can trust us by blessing us even with much more. Why? Because we are not battling him over the money. We have recognized he's the owner I'm the manager. Listen, if you want the answer to that, then just multiply your salary and take a tithe of that and then be honest with yourself. Did I do a tithe this year? Just pretty easy math. Hello? See, it's a false narrative that we want to live. We want to guide ourselves. Listen, I know this isn't easy today. But you're not coming to an easy church that's just going to pat you on the back, tell you you're okay, and then usher you out the door. It's called what? Real life. And we start by being honest. We're honest with ourselves. We're honest. Do you know what helps us when we're honest? Is by being accountable. If you want to get healthier, then tell everybody, hey, I'm trying to get healthy. And so I need you to help me. Getting it out there. When I started my health journey, I had a coach tell me, listen, you want to get healthy? Then sign up for a really tough, hard, physical event. Sign up. Because once you sign up, guess what? <laughs> you're committed now. You better start working out because that's the only way you're going to finish the event is if you start working out. You gotta throw it out there. You wanna do better in your finances? Then take Financial Peace University. Oh, Pastor Jim, $99. Oh, that's a lot of money. Just keep telling yourself the false narrative. 
that $99 will save you probably thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands. Why? Because it's based on God's word and it's based on what? Wisdom. It's all there for us. To the marriage retreat that we did just a couple of months ago. I didn't have time for that, Pastor. I had other stuff going on. How many will go to our couples retreat coming up in a couple of months? Ah, it's a little expensive. I don't know if I can take the time. Yeah. Decisions. Decisions. You're writing a story. It's either going to be a good story or it's going to be a not so good story. Can I finish with this this morning? Telling yourself the truth is probably going to hurt at first. But you're going to reap a lot of pressure in the months and in the years to come. You can trust me on that. Hello? But the second part is just as true. Lying to yourself at first is going to give you a lot of happiness for a little bit of time. And then it's going to be followed by months and maybe even a lifetime of pain. And so what do we have to do? You have to decide. They're not easy decisions. This isn't maybe a yippee church service ending today, right? It's one of those things that are going to dig deep. But that's the way we form a great foundation, right? That's how we grow strong. That's how we build a family that's how we establish the church is that we go deep and we let God help us form his will, his choice in our life. Let me pray with you this morning. Father, we thank you for this direction and calling that we have in our life today. I think change us and to shape us and to mold us. And I pray, God, that we will stay open and pliable as a people, as a church, as a marriage, as a, a family, uh, as, as church leaders that we recognize today that there is so much to gain by understanding your wisdom in our life and that we'll make the sacrifice of, of making the hard choice early, realizing the wonderful benefits that that will continue to progress in our life versus going after selfishness that will only produce pain and suffering down the road. So God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, the examples. Unfortunate to some but beneficial to us that see and have the opportunity to change and to do something more with our life. God, I pray for a legacy in every family here today, every individual. God, let us live with purpose on your behalf, we pray in Jesus' name.